0: God is not just a concept, a coping mechanism. God has always been revealing His presence to His people. And I want you to see through Scripture how the presence of God has revealed Himself. And then we, in turn, will have a chance um, to live out our faith and experience His presence. I'm so glad for all the opportunities we have at the beginning of the year I love the Bible reading plan Pastor Jacob talked about last week. I know that a Bible reading plan, it changed my life. The prayer, prayer time we're going to have, or excuse me, worship time we'll have tonight, like Mauricio said, it's going to be so good for the soul. And then Tuesday nights, we're going to just have time for the presence of God. And so uh, you, you'll, you'll learn more about that uh, l- later on as this unfolds today. But but here's, here's the deal. When we start offering like prayer services, worship services, Bible reading plans, it can start to feel like work. And we can real, very quickly confuse an opportunity with an obligation. Now I know this. I know that I could get more of you to the worship night tonight through, well, we call it manipulation. Okay, maybe so. I could say... I want you to know there's not one thing more important tonight. Not a football game. Not what you're Netflix streaming. Nothing's more important than the presence of God tonight. And if you don't come here, you don't love God. So, all right, that will bump us 20 for one week. So, while those statements may be true and have truth contained in them, it's not—it's not a sustainable motivation. I want us to be a church that wants the Lord, and—and and we have this wave. I mean, the Lord doesn't need a new year; we need a new year. We need a reset, a recalibration, and so we have this wave to reset our priorities. And so I thought, let's talk about the presence of God, because. If you consistently read your Bible and come to prayer meetings, but don't open your heart to the presence of God, you forget what the outcome is for. And he is the outcome. He is the outcome. It should not be our goal to have metrics of how many people are in prayer meetings. It should be our goal for the people at the prayer meetings to connect with the presence of the Lord and to know him. To know his presence. Uh, Today's message talks about our fellowship. We are created for fellowship. We're created for fellowship. So let's start in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, and we'll present this as the word of the Lord. Starting with verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the seas and the birds of the sky. The livestock, the whole, created them in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, be to God. Yes, that, that understanding, that doctrine of humanity is so important. That we are not elevated animals. Biologists may classify, classify us as that, or zoologists. But we're not just elevated animals. We are different. We are cre- created. And let the scripture speak clearly to us. We are created in two separate, unique, wonderful genders, male and female, that are different and designed by God. We are created in his image because we're different than any other creation. We have a capacity that, that no other creature has. I, I do love animals. I love our pets. And, and I'm amazed by them And as, as I do the casual you know, casual study of animals, the same things you do, you know, watching videos or whatever, or, or observing life, or a case, every few years going to the zoo. I just see, like, how creative God is, how incredible God is, and um, how much responsibility we have towards creation to care for creation, to care for animals, to be kind to them, and, and how much joy they bring us. That, that's, that's a beautiful gift from the Lord. But we're different. Because we have this capacity to fellowship and to relate to God, we have this ability. We have a soul within us that connects to God, and so God, in His wisdom and sovereignty, created us differently, so that He could have a different type of relationship with us. There was a pastor in the twentieth century named A. W. Tozer, and he, he said this statement. It's a it's a neat statement. God waited to be wanted. God waited or waits to be wanted. Now, this statement meant something to to me. I read this in a book in a small group that I'm part of, a CLC small group for men. It's a book called Knowledge of the Holy. And and it's really not fair to give a quote like that out of context. I'm being a little unfair to old A.W. Maybe he'll talk to me in heaven about it. But that that statement, I like the statement, but you have to be careful with it. Because when it said God waited, it's not that God was in need. Because God has no needs. God was not lonely. I remember one of my early gospel presentations was God was lonely, so he created you. and, And my youth pastor corrected me afterwards. He's like, great sermon, but. And that stuck with me. God didn't have need. He's not like us, that like he's incomplete or has a need or is lonely. But in his sovereignty, he chose a creation that's different than any other creation. And that's you and me. And he waited for us to choose him. And for some of you this morning, he's waiting for you to choose him. So we'll continue the story. Now we'll go to Genesis chapter 3, starting with verse 1. And this is the story of how sin entered the world. Sin entered the world because God wanted us to choose him. I know that's simplistic, and truthfully, we could talk hours per night, week after week after week, and and take that statement and pull it apart. But in essence, we've been given this gift of free will, and it it comes from the Lord. And so we, we have the choice whether we choose God or reject God. And this story started in the Garden of Eden, starting with verse 1. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? How many know that that is the beginning of our fall when we begin to doubt if God is really reliable? Trust that he is. Taste and see. Examine the Lord. Back to the scripture. Did God really say you can't can't eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat, eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food, delightful to look at, that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So we see this world that was without sin. A world of innocence. And that's why our children, it's so important that we protect their innocence at, innocence at such an early age. And then let them maturate at the pace God wants them to. This is, this is an important consideration because once the knowledge of good and evil come. And our innocence is taken away, the world changes. And this happened for all of Humanity. Uh, When sin was chosen. Sin was chosen. And that sin um, causes shame to come over us. And it causes us to want to hide. It causes us to want to hide from the Lord. And and I know this. Is that some of us here, some of us watching, are hiding from the Lord. We're hiding in our regular rhythms. And we're hiding in, in what is obvious. So it's not a physical hiding, it's a spiritual hiding from the Lord. We think God's going to reject us. We think that God can't forgive this. And I want you to see from Scripture today that though you may be hiding from the Lord, the Lord is searching after you. The Lord is after you. And brothers and sisters, the Lord is not just after unbelievers. He's after believers who are in sin. Please know that, that God is not just for those who are not convinced. God is searching over those of us who could lead a small group or preach a sermon, but we're living in sin and we need to repent. He's after us. He's after our hearts. That brings me to my second point. We're pursued by God. We are pursued by God. He is looking for us. He is going after us. Let's go to verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. It's a good time to go for a walk, isn't it? Maybe not in January, because the evening breeze is pretty cold. But you guys know that idealistic time of the evening when the weather's just right and the breeze is there. And um, maybe you'll remember the scripture the next time you had that opportunity to go for a walk, you know that the Lord is walking. He's in, in your neighborhood. He's on the green trail. He, he's, he's looking. He's looking. He's looking to connect with his people. He's at the parks. And so here we were. Go back to the scripture. Walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they, here, here it is, hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. And so the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, here's a question, where are you? Where are you? That's God's question to us. Where are you? Where are you in the busyness of high school? Where are you as you're raising children? Where are you as an empty nester? Where are you now in your years of retirement? Where are you? God is asking because he loves us, because he is, can we say, waiting to be wanted. He's, he's looking for us. He's asking where we're at. He's wanting to connect to us. And like, I don't know about you, but just even hearing that, I'm feeling unworthy. But that's what's so amazing about his love, is that he loves us when we don't deserve it, when we want to hide, when we want to cover up. He's after us, and he's looking for us. So I thought I would share a second Tozer quote with you, since the first one was so short and maybe not fair, but I do believe in this one. It says this, We pursue God because, and only because, he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. The impulse to pursue God originates with God. Man, I've talked to some people who were in bad situations spiritually, and then they were in bad situations relationally and in their life. But, but they still wanted God's approval, and they wanted God's reconciliation, and they wanted God's forgiveness, but they felt unworthy of it. But here's the truth that the desire. To want God is a gift from God. And so if you desire God, that's a part of his love. Even if that desire feels like it's creating distance, it's really not creating distance, it's starting opportunity. You're you're able to connect with him. You're able to know him. So where's your desire today? Listen, God can take the smallest bit of desire the smallest amount of faith, even this mustard seed that is just would barely, you'd be barely be able to see it on your fingertip. And that's enough for God, because he gave that to you anyway. It says, I'll take that. And God is pursuing you. That's why you're listening to this message right now, because God is pursuing you. He's not giving up on you. He's after you, your heart. He's after you this, my friends, is for all of us. It's for me today. It's for you today. That our loving God is pursuing us. And this isn't just for Genesis chapter 1. Ezekiel 37. This is a great, great scripture. Ezekiel 34, excuse me, verses 11 and 12. For this is what the Lord God says. Ezekiel 34, 11 and 12. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep. On the day he is among his scattered flock, so I will look for my flock and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total tartness. I mean, can you feel God's heart there? Can you feel God's heart that he's not, he's searching after us. God is not trying to disqualify us as much as he's trying to draw us in to his heart and to the flock. And this is his heart his desire for us. And because of this, because God is after us, then here's point number three. We know this. We are covered by God. He covers us. He covers our nakedness. Metaphorical nakedness. We sang about that early earlier. You came to me when I was naked. It's referring to the scripture we're about to read. This idea that cover ourselves with thiggly, shame and exposed. And so we try to hide and cover ourselves with fig leaves. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 10. Genesis 3, t- verse 10. And this will remind you of what happened after sin entered the world. He said, and I heard, he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now, this, this, is, this is now man's attempt to cover up sin. Hiding? and the fig leaves. But I want you to see God's grace and power and love and covering and provision right at the beginning of sin entering the world. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, this is amazing. The Lord God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife. And he clothed them. The Lord God made clothing. Isn't it amazing to know that God has made your covering? He's made your covering. And he's clothed you and covered your sin in a way that is much better than your hiding. It's much more complete than your fig leaves. It is the covering of the Lord. But it costs something. It costs something. It costs the life of, those, of that animal or those animals. That covering costs something. Blood was shed. Blood was shed for you. And this was a foreshadowing of the last sacrifice. The last covenant. The last time blood would have to be shed for sin. And that was through our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter talks about this in First Peter chapter 1. Verse 18 and 20. He says, for you know... That you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors. How many know that generational habits continue to repeat themselves until God, the gospel, changes people's lives? That's just, that's just an observation. That's an observation from life. And we see that in the Genesis account. For those of you who will read Genesis, you'll see Abraham and you know, Isaac repeats some of the same sins Abraham does. This happens until something is broken. You know, you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors. Not with perishable things like, and he gives the most valuable things in the world, like silver or gold, perishable things. But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of any unblemished and spotless land. Oh, guys, we're covered. You know, some of the terms that we that we become accustomed to and they're good, like it's covered in the blood well th- that starts to take a different meaning, but this is this is a meaning birth in Genesis three and then culminating at Calvary through Jesus. We are covered by the blood, meaning this is that the covering of our sin was costly, it costs something it costs. Cause God's something. Cost his own son. Jesus sacrificially gave his life for us. And man, we're covered. And guys, I don't want us ever to get tired of that story. That, that's why, you know, weekly communion reminds us that we are Jesus-centered, Calvary-centered, resurrected, gospel-centered people. Hey, if the sermon tanks and the music was no good, we still have Jesus. Amen? Amen. We still have Jesus. He is what we're about. He is our covering. And he covers our sins. He covers our sins. I, I'm glad to know that in a new year. I needed this new year because I needed a reset. I needed a way to identify time. I needed a way to mark my days. And uh, what I need more than anything is I need a, a clearer picture of Jesus and who he is in my, in my life. And not to grow accustomed to the story, not to grow a, not to take for granted what he's done for me, but to live a life of gratitude towards him. And he's covered us, and he's covered us well. Here's my last point today. Verse, Verse four, excuse me, point four is this, is that we are provided for by God. We're provided for by God. He provides for us. Look at, let's go back to Genesis 3, Verse 15. I know we're not in sequence here, but this is one of the most remarkable scriptures in the Bible foretelling the gospel. God talks to Satan, who was personified in a serpent, and God tells Satan what the future is going to be like. And in fact, I chose this scripture in the NIN instead of the CSB because I like just a little bit more how it's crafted. And this is God speaking to Satan. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offsprings and hers. So this is setting up kind of the battle we're in. Uh, the offsprings of Eve, which is us, and the offspring of the serpent, which is demonic powers and principalities and spiritual darkness in the world. He said, I'll put between your offspring and hers. And he, you know who he is? That's Jesus. He, the offspring The offspring of Eve will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So Satan may have struck Jesus' heel, but Jesus put his foot down and crushed his head. This at the beginning, at the beginning of the creation story, when sin entered the world, right away God was foretelling to Satan his plan and then proclaiming to us his plan for the world. To overcome the world. I want to close with this amazing scripture. In Romans chapter 16. It's a prayer of blessing over people. But it's a prayer that I want to pray over you today too. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. How many are so glad that God is on your side? And that the enemy, though he attacks and though he strikes, though even on the cross, Jesus was punished for the sins of the world. The resurrection power of Jesus crushed the power of sin and crushed the power of darkness and crushed the power of the enemy. And listen, I want you to see this in your life as the enemy attacks, as the offspring, offspring of the serpent, the spirit of the world The enemy attacks your life, attacks your call, attacks your dreams, attacks even sometimes your faith, causing you, you know, maybe to temporarily doubt the Lord or doubt the promise. Listen, if you allow the work of the Lord within you, the work of the Holy Spirit within you, Jesus and his work, the power of the cross, crushes the head of the enemy. It was done already. On Calvary where Jesus was crucified. It was done the day he came out of the tomb. And then the whole world will see when Jesus comes again a triumphant, glorious, visible, alive King Jesus who will set all the wrongs right in this world. And Satan, his power, his head will be crushed under the foot of our Savior. And that's the hope we have today. That's the hope that causes us to lean into the Lord. And so here's, here's here's what I want you to hear this day. The presence of the Lord is crushing things in your life that are not of the Lord. He's looking for you. He's after you. He's searching for you. He's seeking you. I know it feels backward, doesn't it? Doesn't it? You might say, well, I'm seeking the Lord. Well, I believe that the scope of Scripture says that your ability to to seek the Lord comes from the Lord. He's after your heart. He's wanting to connect with you. And so this is the year I want you to enjoy the Lord's presence. Even if you're you, Lord forbid this to happen, fall 11 days behind in your Bible reading plan. Hey, I'm on a Bible reading plan. I believe in them. So I'm not belittling them. But even if you're behind 11 days, may you enjoy the presence of the Lord may you enjoy the presence of the Lord may you find that the Lord is looking for you on your drive to work the Lord is looking for you in the carpool line as you're waiting to pick up the kids the Lord is looking at looking for you in those five minutes that you're laying in bed before you fall asleep the Lord is looking for you when you wake up too early and you're not ready to get out of bed quite yet and just like a let his presence just begin to speak to you just begin to speak to you. Begin to walk with the Lord. Begin to walk with the Lord. For some of you, that literally means walking. Like the Lord just wants to walk with you. Like, like even, even, even maybe exercise has been this uh, thing of guilt in your life. It's been this oppression in your life. I, I just just walk with the Lord. Just walk with the Lord. Just walk with His presence. Because He provides, He provides, He provides a covering. And that covering is Jesus. But I want you to know this because he provides. He wants to provide even things which may seem small to someone else. I I had the smallest prayer request to the Lord. And the Lord answered it to me even this day. It was the smallest prayer request. But I saw that the Lord answered it to me this day. Please don't exclude the Lord. Provision. Provision. And this is something as I was talking about provision. It means God providing for you. I want to talk to those of you who are single, who desire a spouse. Not all single people desire a spouse. Some of you may be called to be single. And we, if you're called to be single, we, we uh, celebrate you. And we need single people to be part of our church family. But if you're single and the Lord's called you to be married, ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to provide. Ask the Lord to provide. Ask Him. Don't be scared to ask anymore. Don't be scared to ask, expecting him to provide. Ask the Lord to help you climb out of debt. Some of you believe that the debt you've accumulated is the unforgivable sin. It's not. It's not the unforgivable sin. It's not. The Lord is your helper. The Lord is your helper. Helper. Just because other people in their motivation to and their desire to motivate you may, may, may make you feel stupid and dumb and I can't believe you're in that much debt. Hey, give it to the Lord and let him show you. He'll begin to show you. He'll begin to teach you. He'll be He's your provider. He's your provider. Even when, when Eve made the wrong choice and Adam made the wrong choice, and then he was already saying this is what's going to happen. Your hill might be strike, but... God's going to crush the head of the evil one. And then he said, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover you. He's going to cover your mistakes. I want to, I want to speak into your life. For those of you who, who there's an embarrassing moment that you can't shake, I want you to hear this. Every single one of us, you are not alone, has something we said or did or ha- that we're just embarrassed about. It's just embarrassed about. And and so welcome to the human condition. Welcome to that. But I want to speak this to your life. Don't don't stop at that place of embarrassment. Don't hide anymore. Don't hide anymore. The Lord is going to provide for you something new. Don't be paralyzed by an embarrassing moment. Don't be paralyzed by that. Forgive yourself for the Lord has forgiven you. Forgive yourself for the Lord has forgiven you. And and maybe we need in this new year just that kind of fresh reset to say, yeah, I I, I receive the forgiveness of the Lord. I receive the forgiveness of the Lord. I receive what he did for me. So the Lord is here. The Lord is here for us. Hey, can we stand together? If you're able to. Sweet Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad we have a Holy Spirit that doesn't destroy us He woos us to him. We we have a Holy Spirit that doesn't spite us and strike us, though he could. Uh, We have a Holy Spirit who beckons us, who calls us to him. We have a Holy Spirit who moves within us, not because we're worthy, but because Christ has made us worthy. And so every single thing that is of the Lord, is for you. Please hear this today. Every single thing that is of the Lord is for you. It is not for the elite. It is not for those who are more disciplined or organized than you. It is not for those who had better parents than you. It is for you. It is for you. Every good thing that the Lord has. No good thing will he withhold for them who walk uprightly. No good thing will he withhold from you. As you walk in the light of the Lord. As you walk in the ways of the Lord. And so the Lord, his presence and his power is for you.